Yeah. My bad. What's what's the rule as far as cursing? Oh no, nah, anything goes. All right, cool. I, know, I know you ain't shit. I just want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> shit, not with those what the fuck stories. Hell, you ain't. <laughs> oh no, I still. That's been going on for like so many years now, man. I just like put up a couple of alerts and stuff, and I just like pick out, you know, whatever I think will make them kind of yeah. like be grossed out or whatever. Right. And then, and then I just like hearing them just like rant about it. So. So we just put this little bit fun thing that I do for them every week. Yo, for the mm. longest, you know, I thought you was white though, right? Really? Yeah, like because like when I first started listening to the podcast, I found them on a, I found them on a whim, and mm. it's like JTD, JTD. I'm still like, all right, it's like some white guy name sending us <laughs> some craziness. All right, cool. <laughs> but even when I saw you in the group, I still didn't put two and two together until one day I looked. I said, oh, oh, <laughs> oh this oh, a whole, this a whole nigga. <laughs> when you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil. Welcome to the Edit That Out Podcast, where we always keep it in. I am your host, Jawan, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, not Jamel, but Devin first, because Devin is the one that's here. How you doing, right. I'm glad you asked, Jawan. I did not think you would ask me, but I am doing fantastic. Jamel is dead to us, but she is currently in her happy place because she's probably at the moment don't edit that out okay um jamil it was my idea to edit it out but um uh, devin pulled a contract on me and, and said leave it, it in, in. which yeah. is currently what it <laughs> is doing right this minute the views of devin lamar are not the views of juan or the edit that out podcast we will um we would not be striking that from the record but we will mm-hmm. be keeping it in <laughs> thank you thank you that's all i wanted to say how are y'all doing <laughs> <laughs> I'll fine. I'll fine. Uh, joining us tonight, uh, though, is a very, very special guest. He is an actor du jour. He was involved. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's true. He was involved in the um, production of We Own This City, so he may have some insights on some of the scenes that um, we're going to discuss. I'd like to introduce my friend um, Dorian to the podcast. How you doing, sir? Yeah, doing good. That's what's up. This was up. Uh, but thank you again officially for um, joining us tonight. We appreciate. Thanks for being here. Yes, we appreciate you coming on to give your insights on your on um, your acting career and on this show that you were involved in. We definitely yeah. um, appreciate. Where's you the Popeyes? <laughs> I'll just, we have to um, have to freeze dry and air some out to you, bro. I'm about to say those tenders are long gone, my dude. That's all. I, that's all I have. So I guess I first ask you, like, um, what was your background in acting? How did you get into this as your career or wanting to be a career? Man, well, honestly, it kind of got into it as backwards, like most things in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I had a a friend of mine. She's been acting for a number of years and she kind of was always bugging me to do it. Mm -hmm. And I kept brushing it off, brushing it off. I'm not doing it. It's not my thing. And one day she caught me at the right day. I was having a crisis as far mm-hmm. as work i was tired of my professional career 
I felt like I needed something different, something drastically different, something creative. And she mm-hmm. caught me on the right day. And she said, yo, it's a class coming up. I know the instructor, so I know you missed the deadline date, but I can get you in. Oh, okay. Dude, just, dude, just try it. I was like, you know what? Fine, the hell with it. I'm going to try this shit. And mm-hmm. then I went in, and that was it, dude. So she got me. Like, she made me take that leap. But prior mm-hmm. to that, I'd always had a love and an appreciation for movies and the art of acting, the whole process. Um, so this just made me finally tap into something that was already there. Okay. You know, even with like, you know, before these really stopped selling DVDs, mm-hmm. you know, I would buy DVDs. I would watch them. I would watch them with the, with the director's commentary. I want to hear like, why'd you choose that shot? Why'd you take that out? You know, I, I watched the pre-production, you know, production all the way through post-production. Like all that stuff was usually just fascinating. I devoured it. Wow. And so now I feel like I'm on a track to where I probably should have always been. Okay, that's what's yep. up. That's that's what's up. Uh, this was like was when was it like a few years ago? Or was this like fairly? Yeah, before? yo, this was like what? It's only been it's only been six years. Okay. If even that. Yeah. If even that. Yep. Okay. Cool. The, and you also do some modeling as well on the side. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm, 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 a, I'm a struggling JCP JCPenney model. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I be seeing your pictures, bro. You be getting them shit professionally done, you know. Aren't we all, my brother? Aren't we all struggling out here? Ain't we all, Devin? I try to give him that that, that smoldering chestnut, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So skipping ahead to how did the part and We Own This City come about? Uh, So craziest things. It's funny. Um, So at this point, I had already moved out to California. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much settled. I'm like... I'm like three, like three or four months in at this point. Mm-hmm. And so one day I'm just scrolling, like, you know, through um, IG and Facebook. And like the thing about DMV, um, DMV slash Baltimore actors, it's a very small community because it's not that many of us. It's not, well, it's not that many of us, but it's, it's enough of us. But it's such mm-hmm. a small community because it's not a big market like that. So you t- typically you almost know everybody in the area that acts. You run into each other off and on in different projects so you know you follow people okay. and so one day, so one day i'm just scrolling i think this was on like a maybe on a thursday mm-hmm. and so i'm just scrolling looking at stuff and i started noticing all of these people that i've that i know actors that i've acted with mm-hmm. everybody keep posting hey i'm on set today you know we own the city you know we mm-hmm. own this city you know hbo I'm like what the hell like okay it's way too many people like doing this okay right what the hell? so i'm joking at the time so I text my um, casting director back in Baltimore, Miss um, Dear Washington. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Dope. She's, she's dope with great work with. You know, she's put a lot of people on. Um, but I just jokingly texted her. I said, yeah, of course, I moved all the way out to California. And mm-hmm. now this, this big-ass production of HBO comes to Baltimore City. Hmm. And so she hit me back. and was like, yo, well, can you get here? Oh, wow. I'm like, what, get back to Baltimore? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, can you get back here? Like, ah, like I could, but honestly, you know, me being a being a diva at this moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> I said I don't want to fly all the way back just for background work. Right. I just want to be just an extra. Like, like, can I get some lines? Or what? Can you pull some left, some strings? And she's like, man, I can probably pull that off for you. Can you get here? I was <laughs> like, bet. Let me call you back in like 20 minutes. So went on Southwest. You know, got on the um line, found some tickets. And that Friday morning, I was out. Okay, and this so, was a- Yeah, I actually came in on, on Halloween. 
Mm. And so I maybe had one day where I had like, you know, I had to get a haircut, checked in with some family. And from Monday into like Saturday, it was my mother's house to set, mother's house to set, you know, back and forth. I didn't really need to do anything until mm. that last Saturday when we finished filming. I think I had like maybe two hours to hang out with my buddies afterwards. Mm. And Sunday morning, psh, back to California. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what's up. Now, in a, a fortunate turn of events, though, uh, the role that you shot for, uh, for it made uh, did not make it out for the cutting room floor. Uh, now I want that is a two part question. As an actor whose visib- whose job is visibility is to get seen. That's what you want. Right. Do you feel any kind of way about that? But also second part. But, but also speak to your experience. It speak to getting the experience of being on an HBO production and also like if anything that you took from that that's going to push you forward, you know, to the next role. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, was no, what's ironic about that? Mm-hmm. The fact that I ended up on the cutting room floor and now I'm on a podcast called Edit That Out. <laughs> the the sure Lord works in mysterious out. ways, my brother. Mysterious <laughs> ways. They dash or edited me out. Um, so I'll start with the um, the last part of the question as far as mm-hmm. HBO and you know, production like that. So um, it was nothing that I wasn't used to. Cause I've seen things. I've been on other productions for the most part. But as far as just the energy, the professionalism, the kind of camaraderie, um, it was pretty dope. You know, it, it was nothing too crazy. I didn't have any bad experiences with any other actors or any PAs or assistant PAs or directors. Mm-hmm. It was all pretty good. You know, even when I even though my part got cut, you know, I really didn't have that at first. You know, mm-hmm. I you know it was a guarantee for the most part. Um it wasn't written. It was like, you know, they got me on set and they kept moving me around. Like, hey, well, wow. let's put you here. Say this, say that, you know, here's some other stuff. You know, they put me in a I was in about like three, maybe four scenes where I actually was no I'm saying Three or four scenes, two scenes where I definitely was saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so that was real dope, you know, because that's the one thing about even being a background actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know who's going to see you as far as on set. Mm-hmm. What the director may see in you or, the, or um, you know, you know, they may have or another actor may see, you know, one of the bigger names. So, mm-hmm. you know, what? like we need somebody to do this, get him or get her. You know, I saw one of my... Um, my friends on there like she came in just as a regular background mm-hmm. had nothing else and they ended up using her for an entirely different scene that gave her more screen time oh wow. i don't think she had any, yeah i don't think she had lines but she still got more screen time so that was dope mm-hmm. um but overall the experience with hbo was dope man it was real good um as an actor how does it feel to get cut damn hmm. if only this was um vodka <laughs> i tried a few times <laughs> no, um, honestly, dude, I really am not surprised, and I'm not bothered by it. I mean, it sucks a little bit. I mean, plus, I mean, if I'm more, I was more okay with them cutting my lines mm. as opposed to, hey, at least still let me be seen on screen. Right. You know, let me do my little walk by, look at the camera. You know, um, especially this one scene I know I shot where I was like pretty much face front, um, with the camera for an extended period of time. Mm. But luckily, again, kind of going back to my story as far as like, you know, just being into the whole world of acting, just like, you know, watching interviews and things like that um, with actors that have made it. 
you know, and talking about their growing pains. So luckily, I never came into this um, into this world with any kind of um, what's the word? unreasonable expectations. Right. So, yeah, so something like this, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, it's nice. It sucks, but yeah, I know people's scenes get cut. You know, you may do all this work for like a week or how many other hours and they'll take you right out. Or you mess around, only get maybe like get to see like the back half of your head while they <laughs> shoot across your shoulder to the main, the main actor. You know, so yeah, my expectations have always been pretty measured. You know, even when, when I first started, you know, kind of going out there, I was like, I was on a hot streak. Like when I first started, like you know, submitting for castings, I was getting stuff like back to back to back. I was like, wow, this is pretty dope. But in the back of my mind, again, I knew like just from watching other actors go through their stuff, you know, before I even got into acting, I already knew like, all right, this is gonna dry out at some point. You know, okay. it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an ebb and flow. It's gonna be hot right now. You can do it a fall off for a second, but you gotta keep doing the work. You gotta keep putting yourself out there, especially as somebody just starting out. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen people come in with these high expectations that start off hot. When they mm-hmm. got cold, it kind of really threw them off track for a minute. So, mm-hmm. I got you. I feel you. And I'm glad that, you know, it doesn't get you disillusioned, you know, to where yeah. you are like that. Not that you don't that say that you would want to give up, but to the point where right. like I'm not actually I'm not making it as fast as I want to make it because everything, as you know, <laughs> is all about grinding, all about pushing it further, continuing. If you get knocked down, you get back up. So I'm glad that you have that hustler spirit within you with your craft that you're you're going to keep on pushing to the next project because I know how, you know, from the little I know about you, from your from your persona and your attitude, you definitely going to make it on some. We're going to see you <laughs> on somebody's <laughs> screen. Uh, I do I, I do have a question yeah, as far ahead, as sir. being a person who does not take rejection well. Is it just like going into the business that you're in? You just expect it all the time. I know you said it's like peaks and valleys and stuff like right. that, but like, how do you deal with that mindset of like going in, like maybe going to a casting call and mm. it'd be like 15 other people? You like, damn, nigga, I ain't gonna get this shit. Or like, yeah, you, but you gotta mm. go. Like, how depressing? Or how do you keep <laughs> that mind space? right that you got to keep going in this type of business where they can reject you 15 times and that one right. time it would be the time to get you you know lit. how do you stay up for that type of stuff you know Devin, dude look you know, every almost every other day i have a i had to curse myself out because hmm. I, look I'm, I'm pretty confident but i'm not like overly confident so yeah sometimes being being rejected kind of mess with you i always tell myself yeah you have to be absolutely insane to pick the most rejectful, rejecting and hurtful industry out there. Wow. Right. Especially, yeah. especially how, mm-hmm. how fast your ego can be. Right. Because um, I, I know you haven't really listened oh, to our show, but Jawan is a toxic man. And so, <laughs> so, so is myself. So, like, I'm like, I don't make a move. Many of women have told me, you ain't make a move yet? Yeah, I'm waiting for you to make a move. I know yep. what I can make the move. Because if you reject me, I'm dead inside and you're dead to me. So right. I can yeah. handle it. And y'all are a different type of beast to be able to be in this business where it's constant rejection, but y'all still hold y'all heads up and be like, all right, today's a new day. I just admire the work that y'all put in to even go through that because so many people just see, you know, the the finished product, the commercial, mm-hmm. the the spot in the movies and all this other stuff. And I'm like, damn, that goes through a lot just to get to those points. So I have mad yeah. respect for y'all, for real. I mean, like, um, I mean, with that, with, with that kind of going into auditions and things like that, um, as much as I tell myself 
it's going to be like a million no's before all these that one yes. You know, sometimes, you know, you think you, you have a role, you have a, um, you kind of knocked it out the park. But again, I just measure my expectations. I mean, honestly, a lot of times I expect not to get it, um, which may sound kind of not good, but I don't let it seep into my performance. I'm like, look, I just did, I did what I, everything I could do with the, with the, with the script. I did everything I could do with the moment, and that's it. Well, before I used to, um, what's the word? I used to pine over it. I'm like, dang, mm-hmm. I should do this bitch. I would overanalyze it afterwards. You know, sometimes overanalyze it in the midst of, and I think a lot of that threw me off. Um, but working with my acting coaches, and again, just listen to other actors that have made it. They're like, yo, just do the work, do your scene, and leave it. You know, actually kind of walk out of there like you don't like you don't kind of care. Um, and one thing you know, I tell myself, you know, constantly, you know, especially out here in L.A. and in California, I always tell people like, yo, I'm good looking and in shape for for Baltimore and DMV, East Coast. <laughs> this out here? Nah, this, I, I got to step my game up. But um, I told myself, yeah, it's just going to be a bunch of dudes that's going to be out there, you know, better looking you know, more buff or whatever the case may be, but my goal is to outwork them. Okay. So That's right, like, myself where out. you are, uh, uh, LA 10 is like, a, where I'm, I'm in Ohio, it's like an Ohio 36. <laughs> so I get it, like, <laughs> I mean, in, in, in Juwan, a Bam, like a, what, a Bama 10 is what, a Hollywood, what, three? Oh, probably. <laughs> so, probably. So I get it, bro, I get it. Depends on what you're into. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, there, there's not much uh, talent around me in Ohio, so I get the, the there are different scales for different places. I get it. Hey, mm-hmm. shout out to shout out to Ohio too, man. I used to live in uh, right, Michigan. Yeah. As Michigan as a kid, I went to see the point. Oh, okay. I'm I'm like 30 minutes away from there. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, but also too, real quick with the auditions. Mm-hmm. The one thing COVID changed a lot was you don't have to do go into a lot of auditions a lot nowadays. Mm-hmm. Unless you kind of made like close to the final cut, you know, COVID made everybody go virtual. So honestly, for me, that took a little bit of the edge off. Okay. Because now I just you know now I kind of did request for you to um do self tapes. So you and you're not wasting your gas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you spend like dollars a gallon out there now, ain't it? Just do it. With it? Oh yeah, it's like six dollars out here. Yeah. No, nah, it's four dollars down here. It's, yeah, six up there. Yeah, I'm about to be on Skip Row selling ass. <laughs> I get it. I get it. These ends got to meet somehow. Man. I don't know whose ends are going to be meeting whose ends, but they got to meet like a motherfucker. I'm about to sell some slow stroke. Anyway, <laughs> I, get I get it. So, um, can you tell the listeners <clears throat> some of the things that they that they currently can see you in, or if you have any upcoming projects that you want to uh, plug? Uh yeah. You can um, currently see me in Unemployed Actor. Mm. It's a true life story. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um nothing right now honestly um right now i'm just kind of retooling so i needed to get needed to get some new headshots because okay. my headshots weren't shit <laughs> compared to the um the industry um standard i got some new headshots i am possibly connecting with um few interested parties that are look that have expressed some interest in managing and probably um representing me okay. so that'll help make that process a little bit easier New headshots, new connections. You know, I don't have to be looking for the castes myself. They can actually present stuff. But um, yeah, as of right now, we own the city was the last thing I did. Okay. So, yeah. I, that actually leads me to another question. Yeah. Would you would you um 
do a slave movie? Would you play a slave in a movie, or would you have, or do you have a, or it's like a line, like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I mean, well, apparently from um, according to Jay from the Apocalypse, I look like, <laughs> I look like I could be a slave. <laughs> I did, I, I didn't forget, I didn't forget that one that, that day. Oh, that, that was a good, that was a good. Burn. That was hilarious. Um, damn, would I do a slave role? Honestly, JTD, I don't know. On one end, I feel like it's tired, it's trite. Um, there's so much more that could be done. But at the same time, the other side is, is me, of me is like, you know, who am I to disregard that character? You know, that was a slave. You know, if mm-hmm. it's a, if it's a prominent name thing like that, or you know, it's the name they, they that they made up just for to tell this particular story, this particular narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think there can be a lot of things that can be discovered beyond, oh, he's just a slave. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there, there's a lot there, there's a lot belief that. Um, and I think a lot of time we just get caught up in, oh, it's a slave, so disregard, just toss it away. It's you no, know, it's 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 not it has no value. So mm-hmm. I, honestly, I do not know. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think I had to see the role. Okay. That's a very diplomatic it. answer, but I can be bought. So <laughs> if, if the check's right, I'm there. The head right, I'll be there every night. That's what Nelly said. Probably right. You know what I'm saying? That check clear, you know. Kunta. I'm out here. I am out here. So glad you being dis- diplomatic on that. No, I know that I know Antoine Fuqua and uh, Will Smith got some shit coming on Apple, so you know you need to. Oh yeah, I, remember, I think I heard about that. They still filming it? I think they're I think they're in pre-production right now. Are we allowed to say that other name that you just said? Who, first Will? name? Yeah, you can't say his name. We might get canceled. No, we're not gonna get canceled for that. We get canceled for a lot of other shit before we get canceled for saying Will Smith. I don't know. He he getting his shit <laughs> All my oh, stuff man. gets edited out, Juwan. You know that. Not anymore because it's a tear. <laughs> I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it now. And I actually got a whole bunch of shit, a lot of shit on this hard drive that I have to, that I took out from you said, mostly about white women. So um, they're going oh, so, to oh, so that, that would be on here wild, huh? Man, you should Just, hear. <laughs> Some of Just tell shit. me what episodes those are released so I don't let my white women hear those said episodes. <laughs> Some of this, you should hear some of the shit that he says about these white women and what he allows these white women to do. Oh, or not do. <laughs> no, you do it. Um, they, oh, don't, they don't. Niggas like to be like like to have their mouth spit in. B. <laughs> okay, so with all of that done, we are here for we own this city. Episode five and episode six, the final two episodes of this HBO limited series. Um, before we get into the uh, recap, I wanted to uh, start with Dorian and ask because you were involved in the production of the show or, or on uh, on the show in some part. Uh, what was your impression about the show, and how have you been liking the portrayal, especially being someone that that lived in Baltimore for uh, some time? Yeah. Um, the impression um, of the whole production, you know, the whole story kind of going forward, mm. it, I feel like it really touched on a part of Baltimore that, unfortunately, I'd say a lot of people have a very skewed vision of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this also gave another look at it 
without with for me without I feel like um just piling on what's been previous. It doesn't feel like another slam on Baltimore. It's just say, hey, look, this is just another aspect. Mm. You know, this is the other side of the world. Um, I think a lot of times people get kind of caught up in that, okay, well, Baltimore is this. You know, mm. no, Baltimore has this. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody has parts of it and pockets of it where you don't really want to involve yourself with. You know, but I think a lot of times people on the outside looking in like to just paint Baltimore with this broad stroke of just being you know constant chaos every neighborhood is like the wire and stuff like that mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not like you know it's not like that any more than you know every neighborhood in new york is you know new jack city mm. things like that nature but um as far as the show i think it captured a lot of things right with baltimore um as far as the aesthetics the, um, mm-hmm. the feel the energy just the way you know we communicate with each other mm-hmm. interact you know, even with the interaction with the police, you know, it's, you know, it, it can be definitely antagonistic, you know, because, you know, it's the nature of the beast. But mm. even the the kind of unspoken relationships between the, the criminal element and the police where it's almost like a, a distorted, res- maybe I want to say respect, but a distorted respect and appreciation for the roles each um, party has to play. It's almost like, look, I know you're a cop, you know, I'm out here doing my thing. I know you got to do what you got to do. What just let's just go through the motions, get this over so I can be back out here like a couple of days later. You know, right. I think the show captured that energy you know, very well. Right. And it's, it's good that you mentioned, you know, how Baltimore was seen <clears throat> through the eyes of people who are watching it from the wire. I don't know if before the wire I ever even thought about Baltimore uh, or, you know, in a sense of like, well, what's going on here? And I think the wire right. kind of gave us a sneak peek or a peek behind a certain aspect of it. But in some way, I've heard and later on after the wire ended that it was somewhat a gift and a curse for Baltimore, a gift that um it put their city on the map. It mm-hmm. really portrayed, you know, the goings on in the city. Um, sometimes a negative, but sometimes a positive light. But also in the aftermath of the wire, it kind of made it into a, how can I say, like a um, morbid tourist attraction where people would come from out of state to kind of like view places in the wire and and also kind of lead to the um, disenfranchisement of people that still live in those neighborhoods every day. So, um, and with this particular show, I don't know if this show would have that same effect, but I do appreciate them showing the relationships between the police and the um, criminal element of Baltimore, but also showing that, hey, these fucking cops ain't shit, you know, yeah. out, out here. They're on these streets doing Straight these up. things. And what I was really surprised by and really shocked by was the outright robbery of um, everyday people. Mm-hmm. As, as illustrated within that court scene that they show, I believe it was in the episode four, where they ask, has any citizen here had any negative interactions with Baltimore police? And almost everybody stood up. Stood up. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I've, like I, I've definitely had my interactions with the police um, in Baltimore. Luckily, it's never been anything ch- too extreme. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had some incidents where I did that. That, that was foul. You know, or that should have been handled way better than what it was handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also too, I think a lot of times when we talk about, 
you know, the whole wire, the Baltimore, even the corner, the perception of Baltimore. Yeah, I remember the corner. Um, a lot of people just get caught up. You know, and honestly, I, I don't like to engage those type of people with much dialogue because honestly, I don't think they're too intelligent mm-hmm. because a lot of people just get caught up in, okay, that's, again, that's Baltimore, as opposed to really looking at the stories in the wire, in the corner, and then now in beyond the city as you know, not looking beyond what's being served face value and really seeing why Baltimore is like that in certain areas. You know, why people are living like this, you know, in certain mm-hmm. areas. There's cause and effect. These people are not waking up, you know, just waking up and just burning buildings down or just, right. just one of lives. You know, I'm, I'm just the most crack at it. It's just that's all I want to do when kids don't understand the third. You know, there's a reason behind that. You know, there is the corrupt police system. There is the, um, the lack of money being funneled into the city for programs there's being money taken out of the schools there's a cause and effect for everything you know mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times people are just like well but it well this is baltimore they, they like living like that no they don't you know right that's, that's yeah and so that stuff like that that does get under my skin you know but you know, unfortunately i unfortunately and unfortunately fortunately i think more people can look beyond just what's being shown on the tv screen and really think mm-hmm. about things and how to make machinations work um but of course you're also gonna have those small sections of people that are just they're just dumb. They just only just see it as what it is, and want right. to assign that as a character, as what Baltimore that is, or what Philly is, or what New York is, and things like that. It's just it's what it is. Right. Yeah. What I heard, I, what I heard was Baltimore was crab cakes and football, and that's what Maryland does. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, the the, the great, um, the great, uh, uh guy's name. Damn. Oh. But yeah, that, that's my favorite one of my favorite lines from um Wedding Crash. Yes. yes. <laughs> I can remember the character that said it though, yes. But yeah, crab cakes, man, they're okay. I, I'm allergic, so I can't even eat the stuff. Oh man, that's that's gotta be sad. For you right. being a possible nigga, you can't eat the crab. That's not, that's right. not they, they're the roaches of the sea. I'm good. <laughs> I thought that I was shrimp, nothing. which are delicious. No, they they roaches too, yep. Shrimp, mm, lobster, crabs. All... Oh, yep, all scavengers. I'm good. Sack, is Sack, is Sack who you were thinking of? Sack, is that who you were thinking of? Sack Master. Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I like in this particular show, like you said, it does show a, it does show a deeper dichotomy, especially showing the disparity that these Baltimore residents are living under, especially in dealings with the police, because you have a lot of scenes where the citizens, because of the distrust of the police, because on the one side you have People like Souter, who's working homicide, who's right. really just trying to get to the bottom of the who is committing these murders. So the actual murders that are going on because, you know, there is a criminal element. But because of what Jenkins has been doing with um, robbing with robbing people, robbing everyday citizens, there's right. obviously this this fear that is getting built up into the minds of citizens, even if they are not directly affected, even though they have not been directly robbed by Wayne Jenkins and his crew, they have family members who have been, and they know people who have been from around the way, or people, you know, people talk. So, obviously, you hear, like, well, the police, you know, I, you know, they pulled me over and said I assaulted them and then tried to and put me in jail for two days uh, for no reason. I lost my job. Then, of course, you know, somebody's grandmama who may have heard this story said, well, fuck you, Suter. I don't need to tell you shit because your boy, your homeboys out here fucking up my family and their livelihood. Right. But and I do like that 
juxtaposed with Nicole Steele character as Devin calls her the black lady because he doesn't remember names. Um, yeah. Is um, where she's I interviewing. Feel <laughs> where, where she is interviewing these everyday citizens to try to do some good in the police force or at least them to get to change their tactics. And also uh, Commissioner Davis, who mm, uh, uh, reluctantly good guy try is try was trying to do something but still you but at the very end um that they're basically getting uh stonewalled by the political by the politicians we definitely saw a lot of that in the wire in season four and definitely in season five with carcetti and then you have the real life baltimore mayors who you know weren't um on the up and up, but yeah, I'm, getting, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead here. So let's go ahead and get into the uh, recap. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna probably be uh, all over the place. So I'm gonna probably combine some episode five and six together. But we're gonna uh, power through it because this show is very, very dense and it's hard to yeah. structure for to talk about. Oh real, oh, real quick too. Um, yeah, go ahead. They probably never gonna see this me, but who knows? Shout out to um, Jamie Hector who plays Suda and definitely. Um, John Barenthal would play um, Wayne Jenkins. Yo, I wasn't the scenes that I cut. <laughs> I was in scenes with them. They, they, they were real cool, man. They, they, they were some dope cats. So me and um, Jamie had a quick conversation about some music stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I had an interaction with John Barenthal that was pretty dope. But he's a wild boy. Like, oh yeah, I heard. We heard stories. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know he was from DC until after the fact. But yeah, he, 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 he he's a fun character though. Oh uh, yeah, definitely heard story about their stories on set about John Barenthal and um I heard interviews with him. Yo, he 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 just sounds like, you know, a guy that you a cool guy to hang with, you know. Yeah, Almost yeah, like he, he wasn't he, acting yeah. at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Might have not been. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, we'll never know. So um in the episode five, I'm gonna go ahead and get the all the interrogations out of the way. Mm-hmm. Because we are seeing Gondo being interrogated again. And uh, during the interrogation, it's revealed that he got shot uh, as a robbery attempt on him, as he claim, claims. But Jensen says that they have a source saying there was retaliation for drug trafficking that he was involved in. And God, they like, what that nigga Jamil say? If I may, you uh, sustained a gunshot wound in 2006. What was that about? I caught a hot one when some dude tried to rob me and he got shot. It's in the reports. You said that I'm sure you got all Well, actually, we have conflicting info on that incident. Conflicting? Mm Mm-hmm. One source indicated that that shooting was um, actually drug-related, a retaliation for some trafficking you were involved with. Who told you that? William? Shoot, it's... Jamel just trying to shine teacher's apple if he's laying stuff like that off on me. I mean, that ain't even credible. What What is that? I mean, he's my boy, but he's always had his own problems. What kind of problems? He likes women, for one. I'm saying, this man says he has watched the pussy. Excuse me, Miss Jensen. Because <laughs> we know Jamel, um, and it's our Jamel, by the way. Jamel, we're going to just claim that. Jamel is the one that was telling Gondo, was snitching on Gondo because Gondo was snitching on him and that he's just trying to roll up because because Gondo was like, well, he just likes, he likes women too much. He likes, and he can set his watch to pussy. 
Excuse he's me. Like, he's like, he's, oh, he told you that, huh? He's like, I do. I know who said that. I already know. You ain't even got to tell me. I know who said that shit. Mm-hmm. So Jamel has a whole flashback from him being a hoe and getting information from his hoe. Um, Devin, do you? You know can't say. First off, you can't say that. I can't say that. His night, his friend that works of the night. Uh, All right, right on. But no, no, I, I kid, listeners. Don't cancel me. So, <laughs> no. so they grilled Jamel about a shooting that he was involved in. But Gondo says that it was really it really he shot three niggas. And we do see a flashback of one where he did shoot somebody and he claimed it was in self-defense. But I believe that it was Jamel trying to rob the guy is what I think went down. And it just got out of hand. But we also see that his colonel who's now the deputy um, chief commissioner, um, the deputy commissioner of Power Mary, was coaching him on what to say to an internal affairs department. So that also goes to show how, and which we've seen in various other scenes in this show in previous episodes, how this all just trickles down, or actually not even trickles down, that you have like from the lower rung officers on the street are looking to the brass, this point is the colonel, uh, coaching him, and then he becomes the deputy commissioner. So what is going to change if you have these officers who are just getting promoted, but they're out here doing dirt, you know? So it's just it's yeah, just the, co- the culture. Yeah, yeah the, the culture just like it just it just permeates through the entire department. Right. It just it just cultivates that constantly, constantly. Like you want them to do the right thing, you want them to try to do better, you know, but. It isn't. And the fact there's no accountability. Like if there's no accountability, why should I even bother changing? Exactly. You know, if I'm, if I'm coming in, I want to be like, you know, if I'm coming in with rose-colored glasses, I'm gonna be a good cop, I'm gonna do this with the people, and this, that, and the third. But I'm seeing the other side of that. You know, at some point, not saying oh man, fuck that, whatever. At some point, you're gonna get corrupted. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you want to, and even if you stay good. They're gonna get stonewalled. They're not gonna let you get anything done. Right. Anything right. possible you try to implement is gonna be is gonna just instantly be counteracted and sabotaged. Right. As we will be seeing later, um, that's exactly what happened. So Gondo says that before Jamel joined the crew, they weren't really doing anything wrong, even though in previous episodes he admitted to all kinds of wrongdoing before Jamel joined the crew. But he said after Jamel joined is when shit started going downhill. And Jamel said, Jamel says, okay, that shit is out. That's all cap. And you need to look at leadership and tells them about some more robberies that they committed. And uh, I cannot remember this guy's name, so I'm going to call him Finding Forrester. Um, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, see, he tells the investigators that Jenkins was wild, was just wilding out. And it wasn't just money that he was stealing. He was also committing overtime fraud and plot twists. Jenkins was white boy Mike out here, and because he was out here selling drugs with his pal Louis Anderson, that dude looks just like and looks just like and sounds like Louis Anderson. That white dude, oh, it's uncanny. Yeah. Mike with Louis, like uh, Louis Anderson. Yes, his uh, oh, friend, yeah, all Jenkins, right, all right. The one that be selling the drug, the drugs for him. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yo, so, I'm on fraud. Shit to say. Mm-hmm. This ignorant shit to say, yo. I was well, I actually didn't I actually didn't follow the story that much. What was actually happening? Mm. Um, when I found out Wayne Jenkins was a white dude, yo, I was like I was surprised. 
Wayne Jenkins sound like the most blackest ass name. And also he code switches because he does talk when he talks to black people, he talks in um quote unquote jive. But when he's right. like when, when he's like with the white with the white um brass, he's like, Yes, sir, you know, it's all good. Just, that shit you know, up. Yeah, he kinda puts on a little twang in his voice. When he's talking to black people, he's like, Yo, 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 bump boy. You know. <laughs> I say like Wayne Jenkins is like the perfect definition, and this is white people listen to this. That he's not. I don't care what color he is. He's a nigga. I don't care what color. <laughs> he's just a nigga. That's not about right. That's that is about right. Because um, Jenkins is off the chain, b, off the chain, as they repeat like ten times. Something I haven't heard in since two thousand and five. He's off right. The chain. That, that nigga's a. He is. Yeah. I remember, like <laughs> watching this show. I'm like, I just say to my like, this nigga is a wild boy. Right. Like he is out so, here, all, out all here. All day. Mm-hmm. Wow. God damn. So all because a nigga shamed him on his crabs. <laughs> we yeah, those those were some small ass crabs though. You know he's supposed see, to get the king crab. See, that's how niggas yeah, see, that's yeah, how yeah. niggas turn to a life of faking their time cards, <laughs> stealing niggas cokes, and, and yo, no, yo, he, crash, he, he, uh, you can't come the cash. I can't eat them. Even though I can't eat him, you can't come to Boston with no bullshit crabs. Nah, dude. You, you gotta mean, eat him out. He was he was a broke boy. <laughs> yeah, he was a broke boy. And he look, got look what happened when he tried to get non-broke. <laughs> <laughs> so uh going to Nicole Steele, aka the black lady. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and get all her stuff out the way because the consent decree. Yeah, because I'm gonna be honest, I check out anytime uh she's on screen, so go ahead. But she's fine. Is she? Oh. I wouldn't know. Lord, Lord, gouge your eyes out. Just ch- I just yeah. check out. <laughs> okay. I, I was hoping I was hoping to get a scene with her, but mm. I would case it out. Oh man, uh, your time is coming. Uh, so the consent decree is coming, and so she goes to talk to a father who's been harassed and falsely arrested by Hersel over a traffic stop with a broken tail light. And Herschel does his little move where he fakes being assaulted by just bouncing, like hopping up or uh, jump, uh, running into the dude and says, hey, he assaulted me, which if I was a cop in that situation, like y'all are all surrounding this. You just going to like all y'all is going to let the, y'all going to let this shit fly. Like he just bumped into this dude on purpose. You know, no, that's my that's my biggest thing. Look, I understand. I understand police corruption. Like, I get it. All right, cool. I get it if you don't even like black people. You don't like people of color. Mm. For me, if I don't feel like doing all the hassle of paperwork, dude, you're not doing that shit in front of me. Yo, mm. I'm not being involved. I'm not being a part of this nonsense, dude. I'm like, yeah, it's just that's way too much. I don't that part I don't get. Now yeah, you might not want to step up and say anything, but why do you want to even be involved in that shit? Yeah, that's right, because it's because it's only gonna put more work on them. On the other officers who has to who have to arrest this dude, they gotta show up. To, they may have to show up to court, do the paperwork. Why are you letting this? Shit? Also, he can get still six hundred dollars, you know, on the low from this dude. I'm on you the leave. All this other stuff. Like, yo, I don't feel like doing. I'm not dealing with this dude. Nah, nah, we're not, we're not doing this today. All right, but that's like you said. It's just it just it's just all around in the in the department at the yeah. time. It's so just a sickness, man. Exactly. Herschel steals the man's paycheck, which was, I think he said, $680. The man spent two days in jail, was made to waive his right to sue for false arrest by the state's attorney, which I believe that was still Marilyn Mosby's uh, office at the time. 
um, that was uh, one of her prosecutors. And he subsequently lost his job and only got the $50 back that, that Herschel submitted to evidence. <sighs> Fucking wild, man. Fucking wild. That's so sad. Trash. That's trash all the way around. I'm trying to think, was her, um, was she in office then? It feels like so damn long ago. Mm. I don't know what she's doing. I forgot to look up and see what she's been, when did she get out? I know she had her own legal troubles, but I could have sworn yeah. that she got reelected a couple of more times, but I couldn't remember. I didn't look it up, but I put it in the, um, in the show notes about what happened to her eventually. Um, right. the, the man mentions he's been struggling since that arrest and his car was about to get repoed because he can't keep up the note. More on that later. Later on, Nicole goes and talks to uh, Treat Williams, because I don't remember his character's name, but I believe that was just Ed Burns, the Ed Burns character, uh, about the document, the dissent decree, and because he's woke, he tells her the war on drugs is a scam and starts telling her about Black Lives Matter and that she should know about it, because his, this man was just the wokest white man on, on this show. Uh, he was with it. He was with the shits. Uh -huh. So she then presents her findings to the mayor's office. But when they meet with Mayor Catherine Pugh now, because this jumps ahead so much in time, I think when they was writing the decree, it was still um, um, Blake. But now Mayor Catherine Pugh is in office. Catherine Pugh noted children's book author. I've looked at what this has cost in other cities. You're going to have to hire monitoring teams. You're going to have to purchase new equipment, new technologies, body cameras for all officers on the street. Are you aware of the expenditure on those items? The money has to come from somewhere, or rather it will be taken from somewhere else. I'm all for police reform, but not at the expense of social programs. I'm especially concerned that this decree could siphon off funds earmarked for young black boys. We've been historically marginalized here. That's right. We can't forget about my baby. No one's suggesting this is an either or proposition. The consent decree is designed to protect citizens, including those young men you're talking about. But we can't ignore the expense of it. And frankly, a report is not going to be a cure for bad leadership within the department, present company accepted Chief Davis. I mean, how many police commissioners have we had in the last 10 years? Three? Four? You can't keep throwing money at a management problem. And <laughs> she was like, you can't take any money away from my babies. Not my babies. Hey, yo, you I, trash for that. <laughs> just so you know, you trash back. I know you get a kick out. I know you would get a kick out. That was just for you. But she was like, "You can't take the money from my babies, but I do have some books that you might be interested in buying." And even though the commissioner and the feds are down with this decree, Mayor Pew's age is like, "No, it's going to cost too much money. You got to think about the babies." Oh my god. Uh, it was just, it was so funny to see them. I, because I, I was surprised that they did Catherine, that they showed Catherine Pugh. It would have been cool. It would have just made me fall out if there was a, um, if they, she had the books in the background. They put the books in the background some kind of way. They fit everything. <laughs> so Nicole and Ahmed have a celebratory drink at a fancy bar later on that evening, and she tells him her life story about how she got into the law into um, being a lawyer in the civil rights division. And she tells him a story about her brother who had been harassed by DC cops. And also how those cops scribbled her father. And because I believe she basically was like uh, her brother who's done, who never ran a foul of the law. 
he didn't want to be a lawyer, but he was a working man. The only thing that he wanted to do was go to work, come home every night, and he just couldn't do that because the cops did not see a, um, a working man. They just saw just another nigger. And, and I felt, and that was just sad uh, to me because, like, that's because that's how it happens, you know. And unfortunately, I've haven't had any any big negative run-ins with police. There was this one time though um, and that um, I got caught up in some I got caught up in some st- stuff because I forgot to go to court, so I had an FTA and didn't even know about it because I have forgot I forgot about the ticket. You know, it happens. I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah, that that happens. That happens. Yeah. So I so that was the only thing that happened to me, but I didn't get disillusioned, you know, by it. But yeah, but di- but being in the area like you know Baltimore where you see these things go on as far as what depicted on it depicted on this show happens every day to these normal to normal everyday citizens who's just trying to make a living for themselves and just you know literally do what you're supposed to do get up to work, you know do your work go home. And, and and raise your family or be with your family and they can't even do that so yeah it's just yeah. sad and that, and that, that's that's what frustrates me too when we have these conversations um we've had them for years now you know decades even when we talk mm-hmm. about police the the mistreatment by the police the police brutality mm-hmm. there was always that imbalance know that people you know all, most times it's white people every now and then you have some some black dude or black chick jumping in the mix saying well just do what you're told. No, I never had no problems with the cops, so y'all must be lying. I'm like, yo, even though I could speak on my behalf that I've never had any wild extreme experiences with the cops, mm-hmm. I know better. I'm not not dumb enough to think or naive enough to think, okay, well, because my experiences was 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 reasonable, you know. Well, everybody else is having these bad experiences. You just you just being hard headed. You just out here wild, and you, know, you, you you did something to deserve it. You know, mm. I've been caught a couple times by the cops dead to rights, Exp- suspended license, and bad tags by the county cops. Mm. And they're like, look, look, park your car. This mm. might pick you up. I can't let I can't let you drive it. All right, no problem. You know, like I've had some some dope experiences, and even when I had the FTA, you know, mm. yeah, it was five o'clock in the morning. They came banging on the door. Mm. It actually happened. To Two FTAs. I had one time they came to my job and got me. But mm. even then, it, it wasn't no wildness to it. They said, "Hey, look, yeah, we know what it is. FTA. I know it's we know it's stupid, but we gotta do this process, bro. You know, I think even at the job when they came to get me at the job that one time, they're like, look, 'Look, we're not gonna put you no handcuffs in front of your people. So mm. walk you out. Uh, once once we get to uh, to the station, we're gonna have to cuff you. But after that, but before we get to that point, don't worry about. It. We just walk out together.'" So, you know, but again, in the midst of all those great interactions I've had in situations that could have easily went left, mm-hmm. I'm still cognizant enough of the plight of my people and other people in general that have had suck-ass run-ins with the cops that have ended in injury or even death. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of where I get a little frustrated as well, because I agree with everything that you said. And um, when people, you know, do things like saying, well, um, well, actually, let me back up. People who make these statements about, well, why don't you carry yourself with more respect or, you know, you start wearing yeah. suits, and, right. you know, start, you know, start dressing better, start dressing like a thug, where, you know, you start wearing your, put your, pull your pants up. There is no amount, there is no garment that you will be able to wear as a black person that's going to that's going to make you be immune to police 
to negative police interaction because any because it's it's not the responsibility of the victim to make the victimizer right. feel comfortable. So that's and that's that's I just so that's why I hate you know that kind of that kind of thing. Talk you your can, shit, nigga. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so you can get you can get <laughs> harassed as easily wearing a three piece suit. And then you can get wearing a t-shirt and jeans. It's gonna have if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, you know. Yeah, that, that's real. I mean, it's, it's levels to that shit because you know, okay, yeah, you may come out with a you know a suit and tie. So yeah, one cop may not look at may not look at you as a threat or quote unquote thug, but it may be another cop right behind them. They may see you. Oh, oh, this, this uppity nigga. Yeah. Yes. All right, I'm, I'm, gonna break, I'm gonna break I'm gonna break him down a couple of notches. So yeah, exactly. there, there, there is no, there is no, that's going to protect you from it. No, it's it's so more multifaceted than people really think. Mm, yeah. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and get to the star of the show, Wayne, my nigga Jenkins. So uh, Jenkins, we see, we first see him as he's, because he's posing as a federal attorney to go to a suspect's house. And and they go there with the intention to find drugs and money, which they do rob him of. But the guy doesn't have any drugs at, at this uh, nice big ass house. So they ain't find drugs anywhere in there because someone with that big of a house and that nice of a house is not going to hide any drugs at the house. But he's Jen- a smart drug dealer. Mm-hmm. But Jenkins does press the guy to does press the guy to uh, flip on some other dealers, which. We, they didn't show it, but I believe he has, which probably led him to like some of these small time dealers. And finding far. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I jump in real quick? Go ahead. Oh, quick, just quick shout out to my man Prentice, mm. um, that that played that role. Oh, okay. Yeah, lo- lo- local local Baltimore DMV actor. Shout out, bro. Good stuff. Oh, definitely. Okay, okay. And um. Finding Forrester reveals that Jenkins was a family man, but only in name only because he does. Jenkins loves the adult documentaries. And the one thing that kind of flips me out on TV shows, because when the guys, they get when the wives come in and they watch a porn, yeah. they always do this number. <laughs> like, <laughs> down, I, like, down. like, why are you like that? Like, just change the tab. You got tabs for a reason. <laughs> just change. But, <laughs> Uh, uh, Juwan, are you speaking from experience or what's happening? I don't know here? what the fuck you talking about. I just, uh, I, I'm just saying, like, what, what's, are you divulging uh, personal events on the podcast? <laughs> I don't know what you talking about. No, you know I got Jar, you know I got a Jarvis lock, so you got to have a code to get into oh, this. Oh, okay, world. right. You ain't gonna have no, you ain't gonna have no Nate problems on your computer, right? No, no, definitely not. Okay, okay. Yeah, I use the private. I mean, if you watch porn, you got to watch on your phone and use the private tab, the private browser. People, don't do Alpha that in your regular shit. Alpha Incognito. Huh? Oh wait, they can't. Oh, I'm not. Wait, I'm watching porn. That ain't no secret. Uh, but Apple can I still just, see it. I just want this in, in discretion. They they can't they gonna judge me for watching porn? Mm, I don't know. They might be holding. It. Depends on what kind of porn it is, but I know it's on the up and up. I'm just fucking with you. So um, I mean, you know the type of porn? Blacked. Blacked. Yeah, of course. Blacked on blondes. <laughs> uh. I mean, uh. you know, pogs. Well, you know, I, I can, you know, I can, I can get down with that though. Right. So, there we go. I mean, I'm just saying. You already Yo, know what I'm into. They ain't got a, they ain't got an ass. I can, just, they can, they can just ask. I'll tell you what I'm watching. 
All right now. So um Jenkins, cause he loves he loves a fat ass, he goes because he, he goes to these fancy hotels downtown to um eat by himself and get topped off by IG models. And um yeah, so Which, by the way, there is mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's just the stealing and selling drugs part when you're a police officer is the problem. That's though that's the problem. So infidelity is not the problem. I mean, no, Jamel's no, not here, so we can act up. We can act up a little bit because Jamel's not here. So when the responsible woman is away, the niggas will play. You feel me? Yes, sir. <laughs> Plus, I'm not married, so I can mm. dis- disrespect these. Never mind. I ain't going to say that. <laughs> I might leave that in. Never mind. <laughs> so he takes a rookie into a field in the middle of the night. I just, I guess we want to. And we want to run a little, little hypothetical by it. You know, like a what if, right? Okay. Yeah. I said we're on an investigation. Found big time drug dealer, a real fucking monster, right? We, uh, you know, we get wind on where he's keeping his cash, and then we actually come upon that cash. It's right there in front of us, and we just, you know, we take it. What would you think about that? I think that's a terrible fucking idea. Can't have a badge on your chest. Do things like that. We don't do that shit. We don't. (laughs) Hey, man. Exactly. That's what we're looking for. Come on. This shit can't stop. I like it. <laughs> and I immediately thought this was going to turn into the first episode of The Shield, which Devin didn't watch. I don't know if you watched it, Dorian. But um, I've, he, I've seen The Shield. Definitely. Oh, Shield. Hell yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> so he asked the rookie a hypothetical that if they come across some drug money, how would he feel if they take it? And the rookie is like, fuck that. I am good police. I don't do anything wrong. It is by the book. I will turn you all in in a heartbeat. And Jenkins is like, all right, then, and promptly transfer his goody two shoes ass out of the unit. Cause all right, I ain't got time for none of this shit. Mm-mm. I really thought look, they was going to, I thought they were going to jump in me in or some shit. Yeah, look here, look. That, that, this is part, part of the reason why I'm not a cop. Mm. I'm not saying I would, I would be brutalizing nobody. I wouldn't be taking, be beating nobody's ass. But, uh, yeah, the money point? As far as, like, the drug dealers? Yeah. Nah. Come on, bro. Oh, you, you gotta run it. Yeah. I'm running pockets. <laughs> I am not yeah, gonna... Run, run, I, don't run, get, run, I, I didn't run, not run, give a fuck about them running pockets. I was... I was <laughs> I went, now, I would not steal... If I win steal nobody a paycheck, you know, if this yeah, guy is just yeah, if this, if this yeah. guy is just driving home, get some pizza, you got a broken tail, like here's your yeah. ticket, you can go on with yeah. you keep your six hundred dollars ain't none of my business. But right. you got you got you get you get paid. Yeah, you got you got 20k in a bag and everything, you know. Um I'll probably go turn in five. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> drove my ass again. That's gonna be <laughs> yeah, he starts at home, my nigga. Yeah, he starts at home. Mm. But um, 
So gonna skip ahead because it's time to arrest these motherfuckers now. And Jenkins and the squad pull up at IED headquarters at separate times because they got this bogus um call to go in about some kind of about some car um that got totaled. And there, of course, as we saw in episode one, they are all captured by the FBI and arrested for conspiracy, racketeering, and other charges. At the press conference, the commissioner promises heads will roll and we're going to right the ship, but really they're not going to do anything. But I do believe him that he wanted to make a change, but again, the commissioner's hands were um, tied on a lot of this stuff as well, because I think Davis was brought in from the outside. So he wasn't like a Baltimore, like he didn't come up in Baltimore. At least I think I, I look it up. I, look, I might be talking my ass, but I think that he did not come up through the Baltimore ranks and he was brought in from the outside. So that's why he was more prone to try to change the department. But um, later on, we do see that um, Sean is watching the press conference on TV. He starts to have flashbacks of a little bit of dirt that he did with Jenkins. And he's and then he stares into the camera and later when he's driving home at a stoplight, we do see a tow truck is pulling up next to him that has a classic cutlass on the bed. And it's revealed to be the uh, repo car of the man that Herschel stole from. So it's kind of one of those little things that David Simon does in his shows where, you know, you kind of like give a full circle moment um, where, uh, yes, it, we, this guy talked about his about his him not being able to have his car anymore. And then we see it later on being repossessed. And, you know, while Sean is kind of like Sean doesn't know this story, but we know what happens to Sean later on. So it's kind of like a sad juxtaposition, you know, how yes. this whole thing. But yeah. Yeah. So um, and later that night, Sean can't sleep. He gets out of bed and stares out the window and also stares at his wife. And that that done. So, moving on to episode six, is Jenkins' turn at the uh, proffer table, but he ain't with that shit. So he starts putting out his best Nino Brown impression. Well, first off, I'm innocent. And I'm not going to sit in front of you and tell you that I haven't been around some bad things. I have. But I can also tell you that these things that you think that I've done, these things that you've heard about me, they are false. Completely false. Now, is there misconduct in this department? Of course there's misconduct, but I'm not the one you want. Sergeant, our, our, our investigation is lengthy and detailed, and the charges against you are corroborated by electronic intercepts as well as a multitude of witnesses. A multitude. Okay, so a multitude of witnesses lied. How about that? Can I ask you a question? I'm one of the most talked about most celebrated officers history of this city. Do you not find it odd? And now all of a sudden I'm the mastermind of this whole thing? That doesn't strike you as weird? They're all lying. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. In the Burley case alone. Oh, come on, on the Burley case. I'm completely innocent on that. I didn't plant those drugs on Umar Burley. That wasn't Sergeant me. No, 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 hang on. I know who did that. I know who did it. And maybe you're right. You know something? Maybe the fact that I knew that information, I didn't report it at the time. Maybe I was wrong there. So you got me. I'm guilty. Hey, you win. But the bottom line is I did not plant those drugs on Umar Burley. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. For the sake of argument, you want to tell us who did? I do not feel like telling you that right now. This proffer is concluded. What does that mean it's concluded? 
and says that he don't own those ships. And don't nobody from my neighborhood own a poppy farm. And if I go down, a lot of people going to go down. It's that educated brother from the bank. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Kareem Akbar. Kareem or whatever Akbar. <laughs> Look here, Miss Hawkins. <laughs> so Jenkins says, I know I know who did. I know who did shit, but I know it wasn't me. And I don't feel like telling y'all. And the fans is like, okay, well then fuck you. Bye. <laughs> so his proposition is over because he ain't really talking. He, he ain't really you know, talking and they just not think he's going to equivocate the whole time. So I have a question. Do you, yes. do you feel like he was so like disillusioned with what was going on that he really thought like that by not saying anything, it wouldn't help him. Like he really thought like keeping everything under wraps would just be this will all work out. Like I know what had happened previously mm. and he's gotten off with it, but like mm. at some point you're getting questions. Like this well, is the same shit you've been running. Yeah. As we, from what I know, from what I know, Dwayne Jenkins was a man that was very dis that believed his own bullshit and did believe that he did not do anything wrong. And mm-hmm. but he only believed that because he was enabled to believe that by his exactly. by his um upper by upper management. And because that's how he came up. He learned he didn't this is not these tactics that he took part they did is not something that he just did on his own. You know, that he made up like this is what I'm gonna start doing. This was the culture inside the police force where they run pockets and you know still trim a little bit on the top here and there doing bus. But it's it's because he got greedy, and because he was still in, he was still in thousands of dollars and from these from the people, from these people doing these busts, and he just started getting reported on, and they could no longer use his cases in court. So that's really what got him caught up. It wasn't if if he was talking just, about cold cash, thousands of dollars, money yes. so tall that all the bitches want to fall. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> right. So if he could just if he was, oh, if yeah. it was just like a few hundred dollars here and there or whatever. Um, some penny and shit. I don't think he would have ever got caught. He would have still kept the golden board persona, but I think it's because he just flew too close to the sun, thinking that he was thinking that even the lawyer before before he gets to there, the lawyer. I don't remember how he said it in the courtroom, but he's like, "Nigga, I'll catch you later." Bates, I'm Bates. Beat me again, huh? Well, you know, you lost when you said you guys surrounded the car. That amounts to an unlawful detention. Shit. What about the kilos I seized, huh? I done bother you? <laughs> nah, man. Fruits of a poisonous tree. What's up, man? Easy come, easy go. Fuck it. Wait, look, Wayne. Look, hold on a second. I don't know what you're doing out there, okay? But everybody tells me the same thing. Huh. You rob, you steal, and you're taking everybody's money. I told you that, but your client told you that? Look, he told me you didn't turn in all those drugs, okay? <laughs> look, never mind the cash, but he's not the only one. Uh, they're lying. Wayne, come on. This was a multi-kilo seizure, and my guy had priors. Stevenson's a big dog. You ever wonder why this case didn't go federal? Yeah, think about it. The U.S. Attorney's Office doesn't want to touch you anymore. They want nothing to do with you. Why would that be? You out here, you are hot. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, eh, all right, whatever. Still, <laughs> right. it's yeah. like, nigga, even when he was talking to the, I don't remember who he was talking to at the, uh, this all, I just wanted it, so it was just fresh, but like, when he was talking to the people, he was like, uh, there's always people investigating us. This is Baltimore. It takes forever. Whoa. Mm, right. 
But yeah, this, this just nature of the beast. It's just what we do. Right. You are wildin'. Right. The common person ain't gonna understand. This is how this is how it's been done, you know, for years, for decades. It's just how it how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Now, like you like you said, I mean, even though I think you're like in the back of your mind, yeah, you you have an inkling it's not ethical, it's not right, but at the same time, you override that by as this is the way it's always been done. Uh-huh. You know, and that, that permeates, you know, just in American society, period. So I can't I'm not even surprised that it permeates through the police department. Mm. I can't imagine any other job that you can well well, I'll say any other job that you can really steal from for years and not catch up and it really doesn't catch up to you because like you can steal like niggas you can steal a dollar out the you know, you come your register come up short, niggas ready to fire you. This motherfucker sent thousands yep. of dollars. Yeah. You know. Right. Wayne learns from his lawyer that everyone has that everyone has basically rolled up on him as being the kingpin of this shit. And he just keeps insisting that he's not a dirty cop because he believes his own bullshit. But plot twist, we see the crew snitching like hell on Wayne Jenkins. And they also put the feds up on his boy, Louis Anderson, who gets promptly arrested and then promptly starts snitching on Wayne Jenkins and on his damn self. He's like, hey, um, what y'all want to know? I did just to let y'all know, <laughs> I did have three keys of cocaine. Y'all can have that because y'all didn't find it. But if it lets me get off on a lighter sentence, you can have Wayne Jenkins and those three keys of cocaine, and I just go home and um, I never do a, another crime again. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice trade. That's a nice trade off. <laughs> yeah, that's negotiating. <laughs> right. So in flashbacks, we see Jenkins pitching a tantrum, like you was uh, alluding to, uh, Devin, because the drug dealers he steals from are actually reporting that he steals from them. And they keep getting off on the charges. And one of the drug dealers, lawyers, insinuates that this should have been a slam dunk case, but it was a but it was a bad stop. And whatever the hell you and your boys are doing are not making any difference on the street because these cases are not holding up. And Wayne does take this into consideration. I don't know if I believe him or not, but uh, John Barenthal played it well because he does try to go to his um lieutenant and get transferred but she's like no you stay your white ass here we need you these stats so later on we see a a short scene of Brill getting arrested and the camp by the county and the feds rolls rolls up on jenkins homie who plants the one who's been planting drugs and guns for him and he too immediately starts rolling on wayne jenkins the bosses like i said refuse to transfer jenkins Further solidifying his golden boy attitude, and later, later Jenkins tries to get with Gondo and Jamel to keep his name out the paperwork of the arrest. But of course, that plan then works because Jenkins ain't shit. And these, is, and I'm powering through this, but these are kind of like it jumps back and forth because we do see flashbacks of Wayne. That's when he was telling them like, like we could do this shit, but it's just got to be y'all two and keep me out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And they was like, whatever. Uh, we can try to look at these too. <laughs> we need t-shirt uh, jenkins ain't shit yeah that that should be maybe we put on the merch but um we see a flat we see another flashback of wayne jenkins giving the opening speech of the uh first episode to the academy class again but this time it's revealed to be all the officers in the gttf that's the other thing with being brutal not only does it get in the way of getting good cases beating on people 
you're going to get IID complaints, files, maybe even a reputation. Get enough complaints, get transferred out of your unit. And even if you can write your way out of the hassle, most police worth the shit can write their way out of pretty much anything. <laughs> Look, it just it gets you the kind of attention that only makes it harder to do the job. If beating on people made cases, shit, I tell you, go out there and kick everybody's ass. But it just, it does not work. So if that's the kind of work you want to do, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not coming anywhere near my unit. Gun Trace Task Force, we are not about that bullshit. Make no mistake, we're about getting guns and drugs. We're about getting the motherfuckers that deal the drugs and shoot the guns. That's what we do. That's what we deliver. Gun Trace Task Force, we get those guns and we put them on the table. We get that dope and we put it on the table. My unit took 132 guns off the street in nine months of work. We got 59 cases charged. Every single one of those went up to Calvert Street. During that time, we kicked in 45 doors. We got in over a kilo weight of dope and coke, not to mention the pills and all else. We took all that and we put it on the table. That's what we do. That's what we deliver. That's the job. You take care of each other. I'm proud of you. When they're giving Wayne a standing ovation, and then we flash back, but flash forward to the raid that Jenkins led when he was the one that he just stared in the closet and he found drugs and money. And he tells homeboy, we going to eat today. We going to eat today. And I think that was maybe where it all started with the whole stealing. I don't know. It just kind of felt like maybe that's where it all started with this. Was that the one the where he said put the foot to the door? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So maybe that's where it was kind of indicating that's where this that's where this whole like thieving cunt come, uh, comes from. But that's pretty much the Wayne Jenkins part. Um, I'm gonna do the black lady do uh, the black lady next, and then I do Sean last since he had the um, more tragic part of the episode. So the black lady goes back to treat Williams. Because she delivered that dissent decree. And he basically tells her some more woke shit again. Let me ask you another question. Please don't take this the wrong way. But uh, what doesn't this consent decree say? What do you mean? Well, I mean, this is an immense document showing what the police do that is wrong procedurally and unconstitutional. It, It cites chapter and verse patterns and practices that violate civil rights at best and brutalize citizens at worst. And it represents a lot of hard work on the part of you and your team. So credit where credit is due. But what is it that you can't say that you need to say? What is the Justice Department unwilling to admit? What are the police trying to do? Arrest everybody? We spoke about this. I I heard you. Mm -hmm. But why? What's the mission? The drug war. Exactly. And in a war, You need warriors. In a war, you have enemies. In a war, civilians get hurt and nobody does anything. In a war, you count the bodies and then you call them victories. Is the Justice Department or even the Office of Civil Rights ready to declare that we long ago lost this war? That we've achieved nothing but full prisons and routine brutality and a complete collapse of trust between police departments and their cities? I fought this war, Nicole. I was even good at it and honest when I did it. But it was lost when I got there. 
and I did nothing but lose in my time. And the guys who are out there right now in the street, they all know it's lost. Are you people ready to say that out loud? Is anybody? And asked her, like, hey, this is all cool. You you nailed it down. You said what they're doing wrong. You said what you think they should be doing. But it doesn't have anything in here about the war, about how this war on drugs ain't shit. That, is a, that it was a false narrative to begin with. It don't have it in here about the politicians not being shit, how the police commit, how the police are not shit, and you might not be shit either, so you need to go ahead and get out of here, but you have a good day. Nick, I mean, dear sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's a <an> hinge. <laughs> Meanwhile, the commissioner is trying to get the get Mayor Pugh to agree to the uh, consent decree for reforming the department, but she keeps talking about not stealing from my babies. But I do have a book that you can read, though. And the black lady meets with the nigga with the fingers in his beard. This Devin called him last week. And like, I mean, yeah, he's that like, is just, that is disgusting. <laughs> and it was he cold this time, though. He needs a shower. <laughs> And the guy's playing like, what, well, what's, what's next? What's next? What's next? And she doesn't really have any answers. But we do later on find out that Nicole has quit in the protest because fuck Donald Trump. He's now in office. Ahmed got it. She does. She doesn't have another four years of her in within her to do any of this. So she's just out, uh, out of this. She's totally disillusioned at this point. So that was the end of her storyline. But still, it goes to show. Because I know I skipped over it, but they do have a scene where her and Shana in the courtroom is uh, seeing all these black dudes basically getting railroaded by the system, which she kind of sees as a system that she cultivated uh, as well. Or just putting black men behind bars for a little more than marijuana possession, you know, or failing to appear. It's just a, it's just a prison factory. You know, you, like what they what they call it, this, the school, the prison pipeline is pretty much what she feels like she's contributing to. So it's it's all messed up. Like you said, um, Dorian, it's just kind of like it's just a vicious cycle that, you know, something has to be broken in order to stop it. You know, um, so let me go ahead and get Sean out of the way. And that's our little last little segment here, because uh, his story is really tragic because the feds are starting looking at him. In connection to that car chase that went that went bad and killed an elderly man from the previous episodes, and they insinuate that either Sean planted those drugs, and that's going to be to make him a suspect, or he could be a witness. But what they do not do is give Sean any assurances that he's not being looked at at all, um, which I think kind of goes to his mindset a little later in the episode. So while meeting with his lawyer, Sean is further worried about his involvement with Wayne Jenkins, and it is implied that he did take that money. Because if you remember, um, Devin and Dorian, um, Jenkins tried to give Sean, I think it was $5,000 from that raid at the car wash, and but they did not actually say whether or not that he took it. But I believe by his state of mind, I think he did take that money. And therefore, if he did take that money, he's going to have to explain that he did that. He took the money. He knew Jenkins was taking was stealing drugs and stealing um, and stealing money. So he had. So that's going to incriminate him. And uh, he has another sleepless night where he looks in on his sons 
and some family photos. And then I believe this would be the next day while riding with his partner. Sean keeps getting frantic text messages from his lawyer. He tells his partner he saw he thought he saw a man crouching in the alley, but the partner um, doesn't either doesn't buy it or thinks that Sean is seeing things. So they go to a, Sean's old post to reminisce. Then they go back to that alley and Sean tells his partner to hop out because he sees the um, suspect again. Only Sean saw him, by the way. And he kind of like hides behind the van, starts kind of like going through his head of these decisions. And he he decides that he's going to fake seeing this, this uh, perpetrator, fires two shots, then a third shot. And his partner gets to him. He sees Sean is on the ground um, dying from a fatal gunshot wound to the head. <laughs> Fuck the ammo. Get him in the back of a car and drive him to the shop truck. This can't wait. Get his head. Get his head. Get his shoulders. Grab his feet. Go, 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 go. Description. Height. Weight. I didn't see any. The shooter. I got here so fast, man. I can see the gun smoke above from where he was laying. I didn't see anybody. But you heard the shots. I heard three, maybe four shots. One of them might have been an echo. He shouted, stop police. Then the shots. His leg was still moving when I got here, man. I was just coming from the corner. I was here within three to four seconds. Where was the gun? <sighs> Under his right shoulder. Radio, too. When, when backup got here and we rolled him, he was still holding his radio in his left hand. Fighting the suspect for a gun in his right hand, but doesn't drop the fucking radio in his left hand. Or he hit the guy with it. Why is he here? Jesus. Just now? Thank you. Sean Suter's been shot. He's in shock trauma. It doesn't look good. Head wound. We were going to grand jury him tomorrow. He's supposed to report at 11. No reason to assassinate him. Half these guys are pleading, and the ones who aren't are cooked by the ones who are. Suda's testimony was in no way critical. He was told he wasn't a target. Ram's going to name him as taking money back in BCID. Yeah, but is that enough for him to? Yeah. For a cop, yeah. This was really fucked up, because I don't know how y'all felt when y'all saw this, but I don't know from what we saw of Sean in the previous uh, four episodes or five episodes that he would be that distressed enough to take his uh, life in this in this in this moment. And I don't know. I don't know on a. I mean, it's a true story, but I don't know narratively if if that was earned or if that was really portrayed that he would be in that much emotional distress. But you never, but again, with people, you never know sometimes. Nigga, I said, because I had, I don't know anything about this. I'm like, this nigga shot himself? Like, I was like, what the fuck? So to say it was unearned is heavy, because I did not see that shit coming at all. I'll I'll give you a bit of inside baseball as far as I'm Baltimore right now. Since that happened? Mm -hmm. Nah, chief. Nobody in the city, nobody in the city believes that shit. Everybody in the city believes like he got taken out. It was a hit. Oh really? 
yeah, he, he, he's pretty much set up to set to like at some point, I guess, testify. Mm-hmm. So every pretty much everybody believes in Baltimore. Like he did not kill himself. They think it was a hit. OK, so I like the explanation better because uh, it is That's crazy, did. too, though. That's wild. Yeah, well, but, but it's but not surprising, right? Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah, would not be surprised. And I think if they would have maybe, and I guess you know you only have six episodes. I mean, they could have maybe they could have did eight, but um, <laughs> but I think if they did do a little bit more to show like how or put the seed earlier, like they did with other officers right. early on about what his involvement would be in the case, instead of just shoehorning it in. In episodes, in episode um six, like the end of episode five, and then episode six, where hey, well, you got to show up, you got to show up to your proper session, and then have him do that. That's why I feel like it was unearned. But if they had did that more, then I would have felt like okay, he was going through it this whole time. Right, right. You know, but uh, but yeah, like they do it. I know it was a it was an independent um autopsy or something that state said it was a suicide, but like you said, Doreen, that like nobody really buys it. And they think it was a uh, they keep it officially as a homicide on record. So I guess that is um, uh, I don't know. So can you speak to this this part? I was going to ask Dorian, how was it if you remember in the aftermath of that? Were they just banging on niggas because they thought somebody killed the cop? Honestly, if that was going down, I didn't hear anything about it. Okay. Um, and that's the other, that's the other thing why you know a lot of people ain't really kind of buying into it. Yeah, it was maybe on like the street street level, like you know mm-hmm. the corner boys things like that. Maybe they did get their their heads knocked over, but for the most part, I really didn't really, really didn't hear much about that. Yeah. Okay, and also keeping the homicide because I I was just thinking about his about his kids and his his wife right. and his kids, man. And if and that first of all if. Either way, he was taken from them, which is sad. But um, and then I was worried about if it was something that it was like rude that he um that he did take his own life. Then what where does that leave them emotionally and also financially? Right. You know, with the um, we right. you know getting his pension, getting you know getting right. his insurance benefits and burial benefits. But yeah, that's kind of like that was uh fucked up uh with that. And Devin, you said it shocked you. You just didn't see it coming. At all, I'm like, I lit. I think I texted because I was just watching. I'm like, I text. I'm like, this nigga shot himself. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. And then I mean, right. obviously we saw like the part at the end, but where they give a little recap or whatever. But damn, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna go ahead and wrap it up and end on the aftermath um, because they really just fast forward fast forwarded to just get it sentencing these niggas. So Wayne Jenkins is sentenced to 25 years uh, in prison, which he's currently serving. Our uh, brother Gondo, who apparently is a Muslim now and with a shaved head, he got rid of, I don't know what the fuck was he. Wait a minute. Dory, was he, was that a wig or with this nigga hairline that <laughs> fucked up over his head and he just shaved at the end? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Cause that nigga hair was wild. I think he had like two different hairstyles. Juwan trying to get you, uh, yeah, to incriminate yourself. Right, right, uh, oh, I was, I was you this nigga black, but I'm sorry, my bad. Right, right. <laughs> what are you doing, JTD? Uh, my bad. But yeah, brother Gondo, he's got, he's getting ten years. Jamel's got twelve years. 
Algemeo is probably going to get 12 years, too, for not being here tonight, but um, we'll see. So he got 12, um, or, 12 or something. Allers got 15 years, and who else? Uh, and Allers was one of the guys that refused to roll. I don't know. They never really illustrated what he was trying to protect. Because I don't think he had anything to lose by rolling on Wayne, but he said that he wasn't gonna um he he can he can cooperate. So how much did Herschel get? Herschel, well, we find Herschel got eighteen years. Eighteen. Mm-hmm. And finding Forrester and some other and that other nigga who we barely even saw, you should have had his part, honestly, uh had got seven years. And Commissioner Davis Three day, he was fired three days before the um, trial begun of the uh, officers. He got fired. Def- Deputy Palmer, who we saw was the one that was coaching Jamel about um, the um, the bad shooting, he resigned because he denied uh, coaching anyone on how to overcome a police shooting. So yeah, he so he and he resigned that day. Um, Mayor Pugh has was later indicted for fraud conspiracy and tax evasion for selling children's books it was it's more it's more shit that went into that but when i read when i first read about that years ago because i know jay and michael brought this shit up on the podcast i was like it gotta be it can't not be over some children's books and lo and behold that's that's one of the most funniest scandals ever yo easily it has to be one of the funniest scandals ever (laughs) <laughs> and but before that she had um she had sworn in a new commissioner um de Sousa, who at one in the postscript it was revealed that he was one of the officers that did um dismiss wayne jenkins on some um conspiracy on that on some charges or something but he made all these promises about keeping up with the reform of the police department, but it was like what three months later, stopping frisk was back, it, uh, searches, you know, search and seizure was back, plain clothes was back. They didn't like it wasn't. They just brought all that shit back quietly, you know, let let the dust a little, a little bit and bring it all back. But he was also later indicted for tax evasion, taxes again, yeah. taxes. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can't prove it, just get them on the taxes. That's right. That's right. So um. Wayne, uh, right. So the final scene is Wayne is in prison, uh, rocking a rocking a mustache. Uh, no more goatee, no more code switching because he's probably joined the Aryan Nation, and he is looking upon the life that he created for himself and his new kingdom, which is now prison, because he no longer owns the city. And that is it. Is he like cool. so? Like he's that, the solo by himself, like the whole time. Sorry. I don't know if he's solo by himself. I don't know if his uh, the other crew is in the same prison with him, but I think he's a. I think this goes to show that he's a man on his own island, though. Right, because they're like uh, the goose sweeping up was like. It was at this cop? moment. Yeah, go ahead. My bad. And it was at. It, it was at this moment that Dorian realized his scene got cut. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes. You're like, oh yeah. shit. No. Every episode, everybody like, yo, what episode you want? I'm like, I don't know. They don't, they don't tell you. I'm, I'm not that big time. Where, where they're gonna tell you where I'm at. What episode you want? All right, well, I'll keep watching. First episode. All right, cool. Second episode. All right. Third. All right, look, shit. Fourth. Like, yo, I got, I got two episodes left. 
Mm. Fifth, still nothing. Like, yo, all right, this, 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 this is it. This is what left. My oh, nigga, I went right. back. I went back and like maybe I missed them. Maybe I wasn't paying that much attention. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. Nope, they cut. Like maybe it's in one of these night scenes, and I didn't. And I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't see. It. <laughs> I was like, but yeah, oh, man, it's, man, it's, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, ahead. right? It's funny. I talked to my grandmother about it. She's like, yeah, all they pull to tell you when they gonna cut you. I'm like, ma, I ain't no goddamn body. Like, shit, they barely, they, they barely tell the big-name actors. Maybe they tell them sometimes they'll cut certain scenes, but they're not going to call me, hey, Dorian, we're gonna, hey, Dorian, we'll cut the scene that you had. You know, hope you don't mind the shit. No, you got your check. Fuck out. Yeah. I do mind. Yes, I do mind. Yeah, it's a shame, it's a shame that, they, um, that they cut you, bro. But uh, like I said earlier, that your time your uh, your time is coming. Your time is coming, bro. Um, like, just keep grinding out here. So Don't forget us little people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, you know, when he gets his big Tyler Perry movie, don't forget it. Don't forget about your homeboys. <laughs> so, no, it ain't working out. Mind your business. Mm. <laughs> 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 no, no, don't be on ski road, bro. We don't need that. But uh, great to go short term. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, like I said, that ends the coverage for the HBO series we own uh, this city. It was very, very good. Very, very dense. It was definitely a recommended watch. Um, and I'm glad we did, you know, podcasting, even though it was very, very dense. But, you know, these little smaller shows, I like doing them because, um, you know, they often have these these good tight stories. And now for a voicemail from friend of the show, Robert. Good afternoon, Jawan, Jamel and Devin. Uh, once again, great coverage. Oh, by the way, I didn't introduce myself on my last uh, voice note. This is uh, Robert Silver from um, New York City, Harlem, to be exact. I've been listening to you guys for over four years. Uh, I go back to the Liquor Run podcast with Jamel and Devin. Your coverage of We Own the City is tremendous, as always. I wanted to ask you guys and young lady, did you ever see the documentary Slow Hustle that's also on HBO and HBO Max? It's a great companion to We Own This City. And um, if you have seen that documentary, and even if you haven't, do you think Sean Suda killed himself or was murdered? I'm going to keep it brief. I love you great people. We'll sit back and enjoy your P-Valley coverage. Um. I left the P-Valley voice note uh, for, for, for you guys, and you guys can play that on the P-Valley episode. I won't spoil it here. Uh, look forward to hearing more from you great people. Peace and blessings. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much for that voicemail, Robert. This is editing Jawan because I'm clipping this in later. But to um, answer your questions, um, though I have not seen a documentary on HBO, uh, I'll go ahead and add that to the queue and check it out later. But my take on the um, Sean Suter thing, um, within the context of the show, I believe that they are playing it as if it was a, um, a suicide. Um and they also could be playing both sides. I mean, you can see it both ways, but for me, from the knowledge that I've gained from the case and everything surrounding it, it does seem like their brother was under a immense amount of stress and 
and it seems like that he did decide to do that to to ultimately end his life and try to cover it up as best as he could but it's it's tough because like i hear like with deep with um dorian said that the streets think that he was taken out you know it could go both ways but i think i'm on the side of um that he that this was the decision that he made for himself um to do that but yeah it was um it's an interesting it's it's been an interesting discussion um and hopefully you know we people get some answers but i I think I find solace in the end that his um, children and his family was taken care of. I know there was a um, settlement for like back pay as well. So I take solace in that, that his that his family was ultimately taken care of. But it's still sad that he is not here with them. It's kind of what I t- take away from it. But again, thank you very much for leaving that voicemail. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you. With all that being said, uh, I'm going to give Dorian a chance to shine here. And can you tell the listeners where they can find you on the Internet? If you want to get your handles. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Dorian Christian. Um, you can find me on TikTok, which I just joined reluctantly um, <laughs> as actor Dorian Christian. OK, that's yep. what's up. And if you want to see the uncut <laughs> Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> You might want to catch me on Facebook at Deacon Parker. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's I'm up. Not a real Deacon. I'm, not a real I'm, Deacon. I've gotten, I've gotten some messages <laughs> like, "Yeah, we having a Deacon retreat." We saw it like, "No, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a real Deacon." Dude. <laughs> I'm not that type of Deacon. <laughs> no, no, you, you, yeah, you the Deacon that's gonna hand out the Hennessy. That's that's kind yeah, of Deacon. Sure. Uh, <laughs> they come to you for not the not the yeah, church. Yo, communion about to be live. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, Devin, where can they find you online? I'm at Devin Lamar. With two R's. I was about to say, Jamel's not here. She's dead to be to <laughs> finish my shit, but thank you, Juan. Appreciate it. And what about you, my, my good man? Well, you can find me on Twitter at JTD. That is J-A-Y-T-E-E-D-E-E. Also on TikTok at Chef JTD. Um, listeners of this show, if you're also listening to the Nerdpocalypse podcast with um, Jay and Micah, um, I have a little um, writing segment that I send them cra- all kinds of crazy, disgusting stories that they can um, pick apart and just have a good old time just random about them. So, so look forward to that listen to that on the um, Nerdpocalypse uh, podcast every week. And you can find uh, the Edit That Out on the internet on Twitter at Edit That Out 1 and on Instagram Excuse me, on Instagram at ETOPod. I'm going to go ahead and launch that. Unfortunately, I could not keep it consistent because Facebook sucks. But again, on um, Twitter, it it edited out one. On Instagram at ETOPod. You can also leave us, send us an email at ETOPod at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 205-304-1655. Facebook, just search for Edited Out, and you will find the Edited Out page with Jamel, Devin, and Jawan, and the Edited Out Facebook group where I post all the content there. Also, um, when you listen, when you're listening to this, our Patreon will be fully launched, and the first episode will should be up where Devin, Jamel, and myself sat down and discussed the 1997 film. 
Um, Seven, directed by David Fincher, starring starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, which Devin watched for the first time and gave his hilarious takes on on that movie. So we had a really good time in uh, recording that. First time. Yeah. Devin doesn't watch shit unless we tell him. Wait, wait, hold on. I know sports movies. Yo, Devin, too. I know sports movies. It was a good movie. It was dark, but very good. (laughs) Right. So hit the Patreon up. Uh, look at our levels and see that we're gonna we're gonna do a lot more of those coming up. So we thank you for your support there. But uh, just to top this off, we thank we want to thank Dorian again for joining us for this um episode. Um, we're gonna keep Jamil in our thoughts and prayers in in her time right now. Um, that she's doing. What is she doing, uh, Devin? Getting the. <laughs> so, so we're gonna wish we're gonna wish her well. But any of this, she's doing better than both of us right now. That's true. Um, well, I yeah, I got about five more minutes. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap this up. Anyway, thank you very, very much for listening. We appreciate each and every single one of you out there for uh, listening and subscribing to us. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you all next week for our coverage of the Stars Show P Valley. Peace. Farewell. Hi. My name is Robert Taylor, and I'm a black actor. I had to learn to play these slave parts, and now you can too, at Hollywood's first black acting school. It teaches you everything. Learn Jive Talk 101. You motherfucking Jive Turkey motherfucker. All right, all right, that's good, that's good. You work, all right, you try it. You, you fucking mothers. Fucking no, 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 man, no, 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 that's wrong, that's wrong. Watch me, man. Just be cool. Jive, tricky motherfucker! Good work, good work. That's only the beginning. You too can learn to walk black. You too can be a black street hood. But this class is for dark-skinned blacks only. Light-skinned or yellow blacks don't make good crooks. Here's a student in our dance class. And it's still a TV. It just happened to be under my coat. I don't know nothing, policewoman. Kojak. Ironside. Yeah, I'm a gang leader. I'm in the warlords, the vice lords, the onion heads. Let's talk to a graduate. This is Ricky Taylor. Ricky graduated from my class three years ago. Ricky, can you tell us what you've been doing since you've graduated? Well, Robert, I've played nine crooks, four gang leaders, two dope dealers. I played a rapist twice. Whoa. <laughs> that was fun. But currently, I, I'm filming a prison movie. I play this tough con that tries to fuck this new inmate. That sounds wonderful. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Need I say any more? It's Hollywood's first black acting school. It teaches you everything. Classes are enrolling now. Learn to play TV pimps, movie muggers, street punks. Courses include Jive Talk 101, Shuffling 200, Epic Slaves 400, Dial 1-800-555-COON. Try to be cool, call Hollywood's first black acting school.